This year we're taking a journey through the Gospel of Mark, and today we find ourselves in Mark 2, verses 18 through 22, where some religious leaders ask Jesus about why his disciples don't fast. And so let me read the passage for you, Mark 2, 18 through 22. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some uh, people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not. Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity uh, to share your word. And God, I pray that our hearts and minds will be open to the truth of your word today. God, we thank you so very much for your son. We thank you so very much for his example and for the lessons that he taught. And God, I pray today that he will teach us and we will learn and we will live out what we learn. We pray this all in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. My my wife, Christy, grew up on a farm outside of Hamilton, Illinois. She can remember having a crank phone when she grew up. She, She thinks that her home phone number was three longs and a short. I wonder how many of you who may be listening today had crank phones growing up. And how many of you remember having a party line? I mean, that was always kind of strange. Well, phones have come a far way from that. I still remember our daughter Sarah telling us that one time, when when their family was in a motel on a trip, our grandkids, Bodie and Keely, saw an old dial phone in the room and wondered what that was. I mean, all their family had was cell phones, Phones have changed a lot from crank phones to cell phones, which are not just phones. I mean, they're a camera, a notepad, a calendar, a calculator, a web browser, a text message sender, a voice recorder, an alarm clock, a game center, and and so much more. I mean, you talk about changing drastically. Phones have changed drastically, haven't they? And Jesus in his ministry was bringing a drastic change to Israel. A drastic change in how people would worship God. For more than 1,600 years, the Israelite people had followed the law of Moses with all of its commands and its customs. But then Jesus comes along and he starts doing something new. Already in the Gospel of Mark, I mean, he is teaching with authority, healing illnesses, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, forgiving sin, associating with tax collectors and sinners. 
I mean, you talk about shaking things up spiritually. Jesus was shaking things up spiritually. He was doing some things that no one else had ever done. Jesus was also not doing some things that every religious teacher was expected to do. Like expecting his disciples to fast. Jesus was simply doing something new. And that really bothered the religious leaders. It's as if they didn't fit into mold, as if he didn't fit into the mold of what they thought a religious teacher should do or be. And so Jesus tries to explain it to them, Mark 2, verses 21 and 22. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the skin, both the wine and the wineskins will, will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Everyone who heard that those parables there, those illustrations, would have understood them. I mean, you take an old garment and you want to patch a hole in it. You don't take a new piece of unshrunk material for that patch. And if you do, the patch will shrink and make a bigger hole. And the same thing is true with wine and wineskins. You don't put new wine into old, rigid wineskins. And if you do, the new wine will expand as it ferments and burst the old wineskin. Both wine and the wineskins will be ruined. You put new wine into new wineskins. Jesus came to begin something new. He didn't come just to patch up something old. While the topic of this morning's scripture may be upon fasting, in reality, Jesus was offering them and offering us a whole new way of worshiping God. And so today, we're going to contrast the old worship with the new worship. The old worship that the religious leaders practice versus the new worship that Jesus offers us. Well, we begin with the old worship. The old worship was all about following rules and doing rituals for God. Look at the question that Jesus was asked in Mark 2, verse 18. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to him and asked, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? The Old Testament law commanded the Jews to fast only one day a year on the Day of Atonement. This was the day when the sacrifice was made for for the sins of the people. And say they were not to eat or drink on that day as an expression of their sorrow to God for the wrong things that they had done. And such fasting over sin is certainly appropriate. However, there were other times that Jews fasted in the Old Testament. They fasted when they faced the threat of war or danger. They fasted when a loved one was sick or had died. They fasted when they sought God's forgiveness. 
They fasted when they sought God's will and direction. In troubled times like these, is it appropriate for God's people to abstain from eating and spend some time in desperate praying? However, that was not the way that the religious leaders in Jesus' day were fasting. The disciples of John the Baptist may have been practicing fasting in an appropriate way out of sorrow for sin and out of sorrow for John's death. But not the religious leaders who confronted Jesus. They fasted out of a sense of rule and ritual. As a matter of fact, they fasted mainly to look holy before people. And Jesus confronts these religious leaders for their mistaken motives in fasting. I mean, just listen to the parable that Jesus told, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tithe of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went down, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. How powerful this story is, these religious leaders glorified in their faithful fasting and in their faithful tithing. And they wanted everyone to know that they were following the rules and doing these rituals for God. However, for most of the Jews in Israel, that is all that worship had become. Following the rules and doing the rituals. I mean, in some ways, they were going through all the actions of worship and not worshiping God. And we have to be careful that we don't fall into that same mistaken practice, going through all the actions of worship and not worshiping God. We, we can come to church on Sunday, sing songs of worship, pray, partake of the Lord's Supper, we can give a gift in the offering. We can listen to the sermon and never truly worship God. That is, if all we're doing is just following the rules and doing the rituals. We can have a daily devotional time, taking time to read and reflect upon God's Word and pray, and again, never worship God. If we're just following the rules and doing the rituals. Can I tell you something? God is not pleased with that kind of worship. And Jesus came that you and I might know a new and better kind of worship. The old worship was all about following rules 
and doing rituals for God. But the new worship is all about having a personal relationship with God. I mean, that's really why Jesus came into our world, that we might have a personal relationship with God. Notice how Jesus answers the question about fasting in in Mark 2.19. It says, Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. Now, I know this seems like a strange response. I mean, there are no guests or bridegroom there. There's only Jesus with his disciples. However, one of the images used by the prophets in the Old Testament to describe God was the image of a bridegroom married to the people of God. It is interesting that the prophet John the Baptist used that very image in some of his last recorded words in the Bible. Just listen to what he said in John 3, 28-30. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but I am set ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater I must become less. According to John, Jesus is the heavenly bridegroom coming for his bride, coming for his people. And John rejoices that he has come. In in the Jewish culture, a wedding was a joyous event. It was not just a marriage ceremony and a reception. It was a week-long celebration. And the rabbis in Jesus' day declared that these wedding celebrations were to be a time of joy and feasting, not fasting. And that's exactly where Jesus and his disciples are at right now in their relationship. The Son of God, the bridegroom, is right there with his people, right there with his disciples. And so this should be a time of joy, not fasting. As one commentary put it, Jesus' message was bold and clear. I am not the Pharisees or John the Baptist. I am the Messiah, the bridegroom to the people of God. Wherever I am, it is appropriate to have joy we associate with weddings. That's why Jesus said that his disciples did not fast. It was a time of joy. He was with his disciples. He was with his people. But notice what he says next in Mark 2, 12. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. Jesus knew that he would not always be with his disciples. And when that happens, it would be appropriate for his disciples to mourn and fast. I don't want you to go away from today's study thinking that you and I don't need at times to fast and pray. There will be times in our relationship with God when we need to abstain from from eating and pray and pray desperately. Jesus taught us about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. He said, when you fast, do not look sober as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces and show, to show men they are fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your head, so it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your, God, to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice that Jesus didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. He expects his disciples to fast. But he doesn't want his disciples fasting like the religious leaders who wanted everyone to know that they were following the rules and doing these rituals for God. Jesus wanted his disciples to fast privately. It it, it was to be a part of that special relationship, that special relationship just between you and God. And there will be times in our personal relationship that we will be consumed with concern over an illness. And it's at those times we need to fast and pray. There, There will be times when we will be overwhelmed with grief. And it's at those times we need to fast and pray. That there will be times when we will be desperate for God's forgiveness. And again, at those times, we need to fast and pray. Times when we will be seeking God's wisdom. And at those times, we need to fast and pray. Times when we will be longing for God's guidance and direction. And at those times, we need to fast and pray. Times when we are facing danger and need God's protection. And at those times, we need to fast and pray. Times when we are struggling with temptation, and at those times we need to fast and pray. Times when we are burdened for someone's salvation, and at those times we need to fast and pray. There will be times when we are confronted with our pride and our self-centeredness. And at those times we need to fast and pray. Times when we need the Lord's blessing and the Lord's working, and at those times we need to fast and pray. Times of prayer and fasting will flow out of the personal relationship that we have with God. We see such fasting throughout the Bible. But but the truth is, we see very little fasting among us as believers. I mean, to be honest with you, there has been very little fasting in my life. Now, is it because I, I like eating? I mean, that may be part of it. Uh, Richard uh, Foster wrote in, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, that we live in a culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches and to an assortment of pizza temples. And, and maybe the reason I... Don't fast. It's because I'd rather eat. Or maybe it's because my pride. I'm too reliant upon myself. Thinking that I can live the Christian life without him. Is that foolish? Thinking I can live the Christian life without God? I mean, that is really Satan's lie. The truth is you and I can't live the Christian life without him. We can't live without his presence. 
without his comfort, without his wisdom, without his forgiveness, without his help, without his power, without his discipline, without his blessing, without his working. That's why we at times should fast and pray. But we have to make sure that our fasting isn't out of a sense of rule or ritual like these religious leaders. As I close, I want to share with you some what I believe are the most, some of the most troubling words in the Bible. It comes from Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what he says, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Jesus says that not everyone who calls him Lord will enter heaven. Think about that. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord is going to make it into heaven. But those who make Jesus Lord by doing the Father's will in their lives. However, the things that we do must flow out of the personal relationship that we have with God. I mean, we can do all kinds of good things. We, we can come to church on Sunday. We can read and study our Bibles. We can fast and pray. We can even do miraculous things. But if we don't have a personal relationship with God, If Jesus doesn't know us, all of that is worthless. The old worship may be all about following rules and doing rituals for God, but the new worship, the kind of worship that Jesus wants, is all about having a personal relationship with God. And that's what we should be after. Let me share some practical applications here as we close. Let me suggest three things that we need to do as a result of this morning's message. Number one, understand that Jesus doesn't want your faith to be all about following rules and doing rituals. As a matter of fact, if that's all your faith is about, it is worthless to you. If all you're trying to do is just check off a list, these are things I need to do, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. You are sadly mistaken. Now, number two, recognize that Jesus wants your faith to be all about having a personal relationship with God. That's the reason that He died for us upon the cross. It is our sin that separates us from God, from having a relationship with Him. And yet Jesus took care of that sin by dying for us on the cross. And as we put our faith in Jesus, our sin that separates us from Him is forgiven. It's gone. And we can have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. And that's what true faith is all about. That personal relationship. That's what true worship is all about. And so be sure, number three, be sure that what you do as a disciple of Jesus flows out of a personal relationship with God. Again, there are going to be times in your relationship with Him 
that, that you will be full of joy because everything is all right in your life. And during those times, like a wedding celebration, uh, there's no need for fasting. But there will be times, and there are times in each of our lives when we desperately need God in our lives. And in those times, times that we need God to work, times when we need God to help, people, we need to fast. And we need to pray. Not out of rule or ritual, but out of a personal relationship with God. Let, let me pray for you. Dear, dear Father, again, I thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. And God, I pray for each individual that's listening here. And I pray uh, for those who already have a personal relationship with Jesus. And God, I pray that you, again, will just work in our lives in a way that will bring glory to your name. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have of knowing you in a personal way. And God, I pray you're working in our lives. And God, just help us at times to celebrate your presence and at other times to express in fasting and prayer our desperate need for you and your working. God, I pray also for those who don't have a personal relationship with you. Now, they, they may be coming to church, but they don't know you. And, and, and their religious practice is more out of a sense of following rules and doing rituals. But there's more to the Christian life than that. God wants a relationship with us, and I pray that you will work in people's lives who are listening today in a way that they'll find that personal relationship with you. God, again, I thank you so very much for your son. I thank you so much for the worship, the new worship that he planned. Not about ritual and rules, but about having a personal relationship with you. I pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I, I want to thank all of you for uh, listening today. It's a privilege to, to just have the opportunity to share. And, and so I do pray God's blessing upon you. And if there's some way that we can minister to you, don't, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our, our church phone number, real simple, 217-379-4443. Or you can contact us through our website, uh, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. We've got a contact page there, and you can contact us. Again, thanks for listening. We, we look forward to sharing with you uh, next Sunday, whether you come and share with us in, 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 in person or whether you listen again on the radio. We just pray God's blessing upon your life. We'll see you next Sunday.